I specifically remember a, a counselor asking me one time, Tara, what do you do for fun? I kid you not, I laughed at him. And I said, when would I have time to do something fun? This is a show about self-discovery. About understanding ourselves. About looking into the mirror to see the good. The bad. And the unknown of who we are. This is about how we relate to God. And everyone else. From Love Thy Neighborhood in Louisville, Kentucky. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Cast. Welcome to the Enneacast. I'm Jesse Eubanks. And I'm Sam Stevenson. And we finally come to the end of the nine types. Yeah, the best for last. Yeah, you guys are type ones because you are number one. (laughs) Uh, So yes, now we come to the end of the gut triad as well as the end of the nine types. And today we're going to be talking about type number one known as the reformer. Uh, Hey, just a reminder that if you have not yet listened to the type one episode from season one, we want to encourage you to go back, check it out, because that is more like Enneagram 101, and this is more like Enneagram 201. So a recap, the reformers, when these folks are resourceful, they are honest, they are hardworking, and they are dedicated to practical action. Yeah, and when ones are non-resourceful, they can become overly critical, they can feel judgmental, and they are just very hard on themselves. So this season, we're asking the question, how can I change? Well, before we move on to the good news, it's important that we first explore the bad news. And Sam stays awake at night just waiting to tell you all the bad news. That is not true. Um, So as we know, ones are in the gut triad. And for those in the gut triad, our primary issue is the struggle of guilt. And for the one, guilt gives birth to the deadly sin of anger. So let's talk about the top three particular ways that this deadly sin of anger can manifest itself for type ones. And we're going to call these the three problems. Okay. Problem number one, using an inner critic to measure yourself and others against an ideal standard. Ones, you guys just live with a very strong sense of what is right and what is wrong. And what happens is that this inner critic develops. This inner critic, it makes you hard on other people uh, because you have a standard that they should be living up to, but it's actually hardest on yourself. Yeah, I think that the word ideal here is very important to, to notice um, that the inner critic always tries to keep things at an ideal standard. And so a lot of times it's unrealistic and not grounded in reality. It's always just we should do this or we could have done this or I needed to, to have done that and in order to live into this ideology that maybe just isn't sustainable. Okay, so that was problem one. Problem two, fixating on rule following to avoid making mistakes. So ones, of all the different types on the Enneagram, you guys are the most drawn to rules, regulations, protocol, procedures. But as we know, like mistakes are just inevitable. You know, we can't operate at perfection 100% of the time. We are not robots. And so ones miss the humanity in the process. Yeah, because rules feel like a way towards a moral safety, a sense that if I follow the rules, then I know that I won't experience guilt. But if I break the rules, then I might experience guilt. So what can even happen at times is that let's say you're standing in a room and there's a red line all the way over on the other side of the room. Unhealthy ones can build rules where it says, well, then you're actually not even supposed to not just cross the red line. You shouldn't even go near the red line. You should stay way over on this side of the room. So rules really just end up 
trying to help the one just avoid mistakes because mistakes make you feel guilty. Okay, problem number three, over-controlling your feelings, needs, and desires. Because of this inner critic and this desire to right things that are wrong in the world, you live with a sense that you are wrong, that there's something about you that is just, you're guilty. And as a result of that, there can be a tendency and a propensity to become controlling, especially highly controlling of yourself. And so many ones will describe labeling their own feelings, emotions, thoughts, everything gets thrown into a black and white, either it's good or it's bad category. Ones I think that live with this notion that if I can just manage everything, then I will be safe or I'll be correct or I'll be right. And there's um, an overcompensation um, and to become overly cautious and to create rules that are just kind of arbitrary. If you really kind of poke around, there's no real moral component to them or there's no real you know reason that's that's grounded in reality it's just like oh well this has to be this way or i should do it this way and it's like well why like and if you and i think ones just aren't curious and i think that they lose a sense of like gray and of ambiguity because everything is so rigid all the time okay so that was problem three jesse please tell us about the good news okay so there is good news and it's this ones you guys are in the gut triad you struggle with the problem of guilt well what is the remedy for guilt it is god's forgiveness so if a one can get to a place where they can truly accept that God is patient with them and that God forgives them of their guilt, then they can move from a posture of feeling angry to a posture of being patient. Psalm 103 verses 11 and 12 say, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. Okay, so now let's look at what living a life of patience looks like for type 1. So now we're going to look at those three primary ways that the deadly sin manifests itself for this type. And now we're going to explore specific ways that God invites us out of our false self and into our true self in Christ. So we're going to look at each problem again and then offer solutions for that problem. And just to note here, we've adapted a large portion of this teaching from Beatrice Chestnut's The Complete Enneagram, but we've infused it with Christian theology. And ones, listen, we're going to throw like so many ideas at you. I know that there's a temptation to feel like you should be doing all of these things. God's grace meets you. Just pick one or two of these things and begin to just work on them slowly, but do not feel overwhelmed or like you need to do all these things right away. Okay, so Sam, kick us off. Okay, so problem one again, using an inner critic to measure yourself and others against an ideal standard. So the first solution for this problem is recognize the harm that comes from always improving. Yes, self-improvement is good. Obviously, we are on a journey to be you know, more like Christ, and we always want to be learning and taking lessons and applying them and not make the same mistakes twice. But I think that there is a deficit that comes from always trying to move forward and to blow past the past because you miss out on the life that you're currently living and you miss out on the the beauty and the broken that's existing kind of all at once. Yeah, when we're like just pushing ourselves and pushing ourselves and we're always saying, I need to be getting better and better and better, that becomes a really cruel taskmaster, you Mm -hmm. know? And the reality is is that the Lord does not treat us like that. Does God want to see us, you know, grow and change and transform? Absolutely. And that's why he tells us that he will complete the good work that he has started. But he also tells us that his yoke is easy, his burden is light. And so we have to recognize that when we are always pushing ourselves relentlessly day in and day out, that there's a real harm that comes with that. And oftentimes the harm that comes with it is that we just fail to experience the joy and the goodness and the grace of God and the world around us. Okay, so that's solution number one. Solution number two is redefine your idea of 
perfect. This is like a tricky one, right, for ones, because there's like a sense of like something perfect. It's, it's like it's out there. There's some sense of idealism in terms of like that's perfection. Mm. But if you really push on a one, like what do you actually mean specifically by that? A lot of times they don't even actually know exactly what it means. What they do know is it's not this. It's mm-hmm. what it's not me. And so what we want to encourage you towards is how do you define perfect? Like, are you trying to be a perfect spouse, a perfect friend, a perfect parent? Are you trying to have a perfect body? Are you trying to have a perfect spiritual life? You know, whatever it is, uh, we want you to consider shifting your focus from I'm seeking after perfection to I'm seeking after being perfectly accepted because God has accepted you as you are. And by his presence alone, that change and that transformation, it will come in time. Yeah, I think it's important uh, for ones to remember grace and patience and to not beat up on themselves in this idea of trying to achieve perfection because, okay, what happens if you achieve perfection? You're going to wake up the next day and guess what? You're not going to be satisfied with that. You know, perfection is something that we long for and it's awesome, but the reality is a lot of that can't be achieved on this side of heaven. And so ones just try to recognize like, does imperfection have a place here and now? And if it does, then maybe can I be satisfied with what I see in front of me? And finally, the third solution is find ways to relax your inner critic. So there's a reason why ones go to seven whenever they're feeling more integrated and and more relaxed and less stressed. It's because you guys have a great capacity for joy. You guys can bring about the hope of Christ better than anybody uh, else on the Enneagram. So ones just try to build in rhythms of your day or your week where you can just have fun, like make fun a priority. A very simple question for you if you're listening and you're one is just this. How do you relax? What is it in your life that you do or what is an experience you have or who are you with or what's a hobby you enjoy? How do you relax? Ones, this is a really important question for you. I'm not going to ask you what is your responsibility in life. You guys know that. Mm -hmm. Um, But you need to prioritize this. How do you relax? Because God invites you to rest in him, but he doesn't do that just in a spiritually nebulous way. He gives that in a tangible way. Sometimes that means bubble baths or having a drink or talking with a friend late at night or playing a game. Mm -hmm. But relaxation is an important part of life for a healthy one. Okay, so those are some of the solutions for problem number one. Let's talk about problem number two. Problem number two, fixating on rule following to avoid making mistakes. So the first solution is soften your my way or the highway posture. Ones, we know that you guys are very particular in the ways that you like things done. And we also know that you are often very competent at getting things done. But your way of seeing things is not the only way of seeing things. It's not the only way of doing things. And it's not necessarily even the morally right way. It is one of many options. Allow room for different ways to do things. You know, this may seem kind of hard, so I, we would encourage you to read up on maybe your wing types. Do you have a strong two wing or a nine wing? Because both twos and nines have an ability to to be a little bit more open-handed with um, asking about what other people like to do or, or things like that. And so you have these tools kind of in your arsenal already. So consider what it would be like to consider multiple perspectives. You know, and with that comes from, you know, you might need other people to weigh in on your life. You know, ask others, do you think I'm being too rigid here? Do you think that I'm maybe expecting too much of myself Okay, so that was solution one. The second solution is ease up on yourself. And this one's similar, but I think it switches from other people and more inwardly. So we talk about the inner critic. Ones are really hard on themselves. So our encouragement would be to consider 
what would it be like to just go easy on yourself? You know, modern Enneagram suggests that ones should break a rule just to see what happens. And we're obviously not, you know, condoning like kidnapping, right? Or like speeding or whatever it might be that like you kind of feel more regimented about, but something small and you may, you may have to ask somebody else to show you what is something that is small because to you, everything can kind of feel like equal. Um, and just to try to, to make yourself a little bit more flexible and a little bit more open to the unpredictability that life will inevitably bring you. What, what rule would you break if you need to break a rule? Um, if I had to break a rule, I, so I have a very pretty strict like order in which I do like an early routine or an evening routine. And so I'm, that's what I'm thinking. Um, what would happen if I like, didn't, you know, wash my hands in the same like motion or what, you know, can I, can I maintain equilibrium after I like didn't wash my hands the right way or didn't like, I'm still going to wash my hands. Don't get me wrong. That's gross. You know, and one of the things too on this in terms of easing up on yourself is just this, is that the, the woman that was thrown in front of Christ who was caught in adultery, you know, Jesus had compassion and forgiveness for her. He also told her to, to go and sin no more, but he had compassion and grace for her. And along those lines, you know, if you've got a lot of one, you may not need to read a ton more Christian living books. Like you probably know what right Christian living looks like. We want to encourage you instead to just read a lot of books about God's grace. We just think that it is so nurturing and good for ones to read a lot about God's grace. Okay. And finally, the third solution is practice compassion and grace for yourself. We know that ones really feel the weight of their own imperfection. And we understand that humanity's imperfection is a serious thing. We also believe that it's so serious that Jesus has dealt with it and that he's continuing to deal with it. So the question is this, if God has been gracious with you, will you receive that grace and in turn be gracious to yourself? I get this picture of somebody receiving God's grace and saying, okay, thank you. And they still kind of work with it. Like if it's a gift that was received from above, it's like, okay, now I need to like manage it or I need to like remold it or reshape it. And I don't think that that was the intention of God's grace. It is something to just be more open handed about to, to be able to receive with, with open hands and an open heart that just says, thank you, Lord, for this grace that I, that I didn't deserve. So, okay. So that was problem two. Problem three is over-controlling your feelings, needs, and desires. And so the first solution for this problem is schedule time for enjoyment. One of the things that we do here in our offices pretty consistently is we play games during lunch. I'm very appreciative of the, the liturgies that we've installed as a team to make fun a priority. Yeah, so for you, what do you do for fun? You know, what do you want to do for fun? What's pleasurable for you in life? What makes you laugh? And any ways that you can build those things in in a more routine way, we highly encourage it. Mm -hmm. keep, keep doing that. Okay, the second solution is include more humor in your day. Find things that make you laugh. Um, watch funny YouTube videos. Like we've had times where we did a thing for a while, like three o'clock video hour, yeah, where like everyone would submit their YouTube videos and we would spend 15 minutes just as uh, as an office, you know, watching just silly things on YouTube that just made us laugh. And it was so good for us because it helped us remember like, okay, all of life is not serious all of the time. Like mm -hmm. God has given us the gift of laughter and joy and celebration. And we just want to embrace that aspect of life too. Yeah. And I, and I would especially add like the communal effort here, like to build that in, you know, text your friend a funny video or talk about it with your kids or your, your husband or wife later on. You know, I think that there is joy and shared laughter and um, that joy only begets more joy. Um, okay. Finally, the third solution is give thanks for your positive traits and be honest about your real feelings. 
be honest with your anger. It's okay to be angry about the injustices of the world or, or the frustrations that you feel with your, your team or your professors or your, your family or your whatever it might be that you might have a bone to pick with. One of the things that I love about Christianity in contrast with Buddhism is Buddhism is the idea of for completely forgetting yourself and not having desires, not having feelings, and completely detaching. But in Christianity, that that's not what we believe. We don't believe that Christ came in order to like do like personality annihilationism on us. Like no. we believe that he came in order to set us free. But part of that is like we are people with feelings and desires and wants. And ones, I know that this is so hard because there could be such a temptation to judge the feeling from the moment that it begins to emerge. And I want to encourage you, what would happen if you just didn't judge every feeling you had? Mm -hmm. And then without judgment, you begin to bring those conversations and those feelings to God and to the people around you. If you are a Christian, I believe that the Holy Spirit is inside of you and that that means that even your deepest longing and desires are being transformed and changed. And we should not underestimate the Holy Spirit to use our feelings to reveal something good and true to us. Mm -hmm. Okay, so those are our tips for type number one. When we come back, we'll be talking with health and wellness coach Tara Santos. Stay with us. So one thing that I love about Love Thy Neighborhood is that no matter what you think you're going to get into, it's usually a lot different than what you expected. Uh, yeah, I think a lot of times like we just love to compartmentalize and categorize our lives, you know, where we're like, OK, so this portion of my life I'm going to serve. This portion of my life I'm going to spend with people from my church. This portion of my life is going to be yard work or whatever. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like God comes and like things get really messy and blurry. Mm -hmm. So that's actually what happened to Jordan Smith. So Jordan did the Love Thy Neighborhood program for a year. And here's what he had to say about that. I definitely remember a defining moment um, where I was challenged by one of the individuals that I was serving. I had really kind of relegated him to that sphere of, of mission or work. He was essentially asking permission to be brought into this other part of my life that I really just kept separate. So I think Love That Neighborhood showed me how to love people in a more gospel-centered way. So if you're like Jordan and you're ready to decompartmentalize your life, in other words, you're ready to let God do whatever he wants with it, apply for Love That Neighborhood. Come and do a social justice internship supported by Christian community for a summer or a year. So if you're between the ages of 18 and 30, we would love to have you come serve with us. Go online to our website, lovethyneighborhood.org, and apply today. Hey, welcome back to the Enneacast. I'm Jesse Eubanks. And I'm Sam Stevenson. Our guest today is Tara Santos. Tara is a health and wellness coach and director of wellness with Tara. Tara is a graduate of the Functional Medicine Coaching Academy and uses a trauma-informed approach to help women achieve physical, spiritual, and mental health. She's also a part-time Christian yoga instructor. She's married to James Santos, who was our guest for Type 2 back in Season 1. And they have five children under the age of 12 that's amazing. And she is a certified Enneagram coach and a one on the Enneagram. Welcome to the show, Tara. Thank you so much. Yeah, we're glad to have you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Uh, okay, so um, hey, so what, what aspect of God's character do you think ones reflect to the world? I would say definitely his goodness. That's yeah. the thing that first comes to me. Um, I think if ones are healthy and they're careful, righteous anger 
you know, being able to have that, that, you know, one is going to really struggle with knowing whether or not they have righteous anger. More often than not, I'm going to feel like my anger is not righteous because I'm not perfect. I'm not good. But I think that, you know, if it's balanced with grace, like you all mentioned earlier, I think ones can really reflect a, a righteous anger in a graceful way over situations that really do need change or really do need yeah. some sort of reformation as yeah. is typical to the one. Yeah, because there are things in the world that like we need to be angry about. Right. Like there are things in the world that need to be pushed back against and reformed and changed and passivity is not the response, right. you know. There are times where we need to be angry and upset about things. Um, what do you think that this, just the struggle of anger for the one comes from? So this season, as we all know, we're talking about change and we don't need to change the things about us that are good. We just need to continue to reform and refine the things that need to change. And so for the one that is anger. Um, so can you just talk a little about maybe the root root of anger for you and, or just in general, where where do we think this sin of anger comes from? Sure. I think for me, the majority of the time, it comes from a self-imposed standard and guilt. Um, a lot of times, like, I feel guilty if I haven't done something the way I think it should have been done. You know, anytime you start saying should have, could have, mm. like, those are big, big key indicators there that something's up. But anytime that I think it's the way something should have been done or I've interacted with someone, did I do it the right way? Did I give less than my best? Then I get angry with myself. So it tends to be very inner directed. Um, so I think that's part of it. And I can also get really angry if I feel like I've given my all, like I've poured everything into something. And then the people around me don't appreciate it or even worse, they criticize it because mm -hmm. I know how much work I put into that thing. And I also know how critical I already was of myself trying to iron out any of the potential flaws in the plan. And so then if it's not received well, or if, you know, other people are critical, I struggle with that. And I think I've grown a lot in awareness over the years. And honestly, it began with my husband <laughs> pointing. It, 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 it often begins in our marriages, <laughs> right? right? <laughs> it began with him pointing out my quote unquote tone, um, you know, and I would get so angry with him. Because, <laughs> here, here, you hear it, the anger in here, right? Because he'd say I had this tone about something and I'd look at him with my tone and say, I don't have a tone. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh -huh. And so, you know, it was it was so frustrating because at first it was completely just oblivious. I really didn't hear the tone right? in my voice. Yeah, like totally. it's just yeah. it's that's just how it came out of me. But over time, like I feel like I've gotten a better ear for it. You know, a lot of times I will notice anger in my body first, like you were mentioning mm -hmm. earlier. Yeah. I feel a tenseness maybe in my shoulders, maybe an unsettled anxiety in my stomach. You know, my my tone kicks in, you know, whatever that may be. I raise my voice. You know, it's just like this this bodily thing. And that's that whole gut portion, I guess, of, you know, being in the gut triad. It usually, I usually hold it all in mm. until I can't anymore. And then it comes out in a really ugly way. Yeah. yeah. Beth McCord, last season, she said that uh, when she was talking about the different manifestations of anger, for the eight, it's like a grenade. But for the one, it's like a fire hose. So it's very, like, pointed, oh, yes. very targeted, very relentless energy directed at one particular source versus... And anger of just like, I don't care who's around or even what it's about. I'm just going to, you know, kind of unleash all of this. So does that feel true for yes, you? It seems it's like, yeah. very specific. And it might not even be the person or the thing that initially frustrated me, mm -hmm. but a person or group. It's like I'm, I'm going to you can fixate on it. I'm going to fixate on that thing <laughs> yeah. and because it feels controllable yeah. in, in some ways. And that feels safe. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, let's let's talk about the actual the specific problems that we just went through uh, um, before the commercial break. So, problem number one is using an inner critic to measure yourself and others against an ideal standard. So, how have you seen this show up in your life? 
So for me, the inner critic very often tries to call me a failure because I've achieved less than perfect, right? Less than than what the ideal is. And it causes me to fret and wonder often, like, what is wrong with me? What is my problem? I I tend to be fixated on this. Something's wrong with me Mm -hmm. and I need to fix it so that it will be good. Mm-hmm. It will be right. It mm-hmm. will be, you know, where it needs to be. But it's interesting because I don't hold others to that same standard most of the time. Yeah. It's just, it's a really strange thing because I have a healthy realization that other people are human, that mm. they're doing the best that they can. Um, you know, even as a coach with what I do professionally, I can see the growth. I can understand the setbacks and I can still encourage my clients gently in the direction that they're wanting to go to. But then when it comes to myself, you know, if it's not if I'm not mindful about it, it I, I don't even recognize what I'm doing to myself versus what I would offer to someone else. So I, there's still this underlying level of critique all the time. And, and I've told many people because people have told me in the past that I, they feel like I'm criticizing them or things like that, you know, and and what, what people don't understand outside of the one is the critique inside us is way, way, way stronger than what they're seeing on the outside. And I think that if we can receive a one knowing that, it's going to give us a much greater compassion for that one, realizing like they're not just trying to be punks. Right. They're not just being right. rude, you know, Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Um, so we talked about a few solutions for problem number one. Were there any that really kind of stuck out to you that you've either tried before or that you've been putting into practice? Yes, there's a couple that have worked better for me than others. But, you know, a big one is definitely relaxing my inner critic. And what in the world does that look like? You know, I've done this in a lot of different ways. One way I've done it is working with people who are understanding and and if possible even educated on the enneagram enough to accept where i am you know a coach a mentor even a therapist that that understands the impact of trauma or story in someone's life those have been incredibly helpful and beneficial to me and it's still a process for sure every day and i think it will be till the day i die but you know it's been life changing, just understanding my story and my struggles has given me more compassion for myself, even, you know, imagining myself as a child and the expectations that I had on myself or imagining what if I was my child? You know, as I mentioned, or as you mentioned, I have five kids. Like what if if I'm imagining one of my children, if they felt the way that I feel internally, how that would absolutely break my heart and I would do anything to try to encourage them and shift that just unrelenting critique that they have on themselves. And that's been really helpful for me. Mm, That's good. How can you how can you tell the difference with like an inner critic versus just like your consciousness or like, you know what I mean? Like, where does it where do you feel it kind of come out? Very practically distinguishing the two. My internal critic is almost always negative in the sense that it doesn't necessarily have a positive outcome. It's just more um, intentional on telling me all the ways that I'm doing something wrong or I could do something better that doesn't necessarily lead anywhere positive versus like my conscience is going to gear more towards, you know, obviously my belief system as far as Christianity goes and what I feel like the Holy Spirit may be teaching me. But in this, this gut way of something's not right, but it's not an unrelenting, you're doing this wrong, this is the bad way, et cetera, et cetera. It's mm-hmm. just more of a, of a feeling and an unsettledness in my there's soul, more, I guess. Yeah, but there's more almost patience and grace even there, in that space. I think so, yes. I think yeah. there is. And the, and the critic doesn't have a lot of patience or grace. Yeah, that's. So. A, I think that's a good marker. I'm just thinking about the ones that may be listening that are like, 
all of all of the things in my head sound the same. You yeah. Know? So just trying to parse out, like, how do I how can I silence something that I don't even know if I have control <laughs> over it? You know, right. yeah. That was yeah. a good distinction, though. That's a really that's a helpful clarifying mm-hmm. distinction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one of the other problems that that we mentioned earlier is that ones have the tendency to fixate on rule following to avoid making mistakes. So for you, what's that like? Um, well, my kids will first tell you in a heartbeat that dad's a faster driver because mom <laughs> follows the speed limit um, right in with what y'all were talking about earlier. But I got a speeding ticket one time when I was in college because I wasn't paying a lot of attention and it upset me so much. Like after the police officer left, I bawled my eyes out. It upset me so much. I was like, never again. It's oh, not going to happen Tara. again. Um, you know, and on an ongoing basis, like I tend to be fairly structured. I tend to have fairly structured days and routines. I do like consistency. I like the flow of what's coming next. Um, you know, just kind of that that structure and rule following there. And then, you know, years ago, I was having some pretty severe health issues. And when I was, I became the food police. Zero grace for myself. Mm. It was, you do it this way. This is the right way. And of course, following those people or those voices out there that were saying the same thing, like mm-hmm. you can only do this this one right way. Um, and I had no grace for messing up. And and I'm glad to say that I'm not there anymore. But that was definitely and a you part don't, of my You story. don't even need much of an inner critic these days. Like if no. you get into like the food world, yeah. you know, there's plenty of outer critics that are ready and waiting to tear you down, you know. And so, uh, so yeah, the inner critic has like all the fuel that it needs, you know, to keep on rolling. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so out of the solutions that maybe we mentioned earlier, which of those would you make maybe like to put into practice more? Yeah, well, over the last probably six or seven years, I've really truly learned life is not black and white. Like I've had a lot of situations and struggles and heartaches over the last few years that has shown me there is way more gray in this world. And that's been humbling, but it's also been really huge and really helpful. On a very practical level, yoga has really helped me with this. Um, You know, my teacher who I attend weekly on a weekly basis, she is excellent at reminding us to listen to our bodies, acknowledge that no two people look the same in their poses because God makes us all different, accepting that this is not a competition. It's not us against our neighbor. It's not even us against our previous or future self. It's us right now in the moment. And so, you know, for that, it's been really helpful for me because it helps me to be accepting to not necessarily have to do things the right and perfect way. It's, it's being accepting of where I am in that moment, where I can be. And, and it's okay if it looks different today than yesterday. If I've backtracked, if I'm further, there's no judgment in that. And that's been super helpful for me. Yeah, that's really mm, good. That's good. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about problem number three. So problem number three is over-controlling your feelings, needs, and desires. Does that resonate with you? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I like so- the giggle. That was good. <laughs> yes. I do think, again, I've grown tremendously in this area. You know, for years, I felt like any of my feelings or desires were wrong or sinful. End of story. And so, like, if I was overwhelmed with my young children, I would feel guilty that I wanted some time away. I, I mean, I even felt guilty going to the YMCA and leaving them in childcare for one whole hour. Wow. I felt guilty about that because I should be spending time with them. Man, mom guilt is like oh, gosh, so bad. I, I was talking to a friend once yeah. and uh, and he said, if I ever write a book on like society's worst sins, all it's going to be is moms hanging out with each other. And the thing is that you would never know it, like, because it's all subtle. Yeah. It, like, mom guilt is just like... Subtle in person, not so subtle online. Right, right. that's exactly so, yeah. right. Very explicit online, but in person, it's like, 
oh, you let your kid eat that? <laughs> you know, it's like, oh. Yeah, it is. And so that was just super, super hard for me. So instead of dealing with my desires or my feelings for something else, I just stuff them. You know, if, if I felt angry, how dare I? Like, yeah. I don't have the right to be angry. You know, anger is a sin and I, it wasn't righteous. So why would I do that? You know, and so I, I specifically remember a, a counselor asking me one time, Tara, what do you do for fun? I kid you not, I laughed at him. And I said, when would I have time to do something fun? You know, like Mm. it wasn't even on my radar as a possibility, primarily from all that just guilt driven and feeling, feeling like I didn't, it wasn't okay for me to have feelings. It wasn't okay for me to desire something because I had responsibilities and I had things I needed to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So in light of that, so you, like you've talked a lot about self-awareness and like taking ownership of your stuff. So like, what's it look like to kind of go forward? I'm definitely growing at rediscovering fun. (laughs) That has been a really hard thing for me over the years. Um, 2018 was our family's quote unquote year of fun. Like that was the goal. And so, you know, I had a reminder on my phone once a day, every day that said, what does fun look like today? So it was very practical. And and some days it was way bigger than others. You know, some days fun looked like being silly while I was doing the dishes, you Mm -hmm. know, but a a constant reminder of that. And and this year is our year of freedom. So this year, my question that comes up on my phone every day is how can you move toward freedom today? You know, I've also learned over the years that suppressing my feelings, my needs, or my desires does not lead toward freedom. <laughs> yeah. Like, if anything, like, it just bubbles up and, and until it eventually just spills out. And then it's way uglier when it spills out than it would have been if I'd have just released it then. So, you know, I've learned that if I try to stuff everything, I carry it in my body. Aches, pains, tenseness, all that stuff, I carry it. And so there's even health, which is important to me, physical health is important to me in releasing that and and being able to be okay with that. So the process of learning this have just been really helpful parts of my healing and doing Mm, that. That's good. That's That's really good. Yeah. So um, one last question, I guess, before uh, we we close out, you know, since we're talking right at the end here of the gut triad, we've been talking about guilt. And I know for me, I definitely experience guilt as my primary default. And I know for a lot of our other listeners, that's the same for them. Um, but we believe and we've been saying that God responds to this guilt with his forgiveness. So what is that message of forgiveness? How does that resonate with for you personally? You know, it was Paul Tripp, I believe, said, if you obey for a thousand years, you're no more accepted than when you first believed. Your acceptance is based on Christ's righteousness, not yours. And, you know, Romans 5, 8 is a go-to verse for me as well. You know, God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's not once I got my act together. Yeah. It's not when I did everything perfectly. It's while I was still a sinner, Christ died for us. And I just, I have to keep that on my forefront. You know, I put it on screensavers on my phone, my computer yep. notes. I mean, I, I really do have to be very visual about these things because otherwise I tend to just, you know, go off in a different direction of where my thoughts are. And then I see that visual reminder. Yes. In your face, inner critic. <laughs> I know, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Well, when we come back, we will be playing You've Got Problems with Tara Santos. Stay with us. In today's episode of the Enneacast, we're exploring type number one, the reformer. These folks believe in goodness and righteousness and standing up for the truth. Well, what happens when reformers decide to leverage their gifts for the unborn? If you want to hear what happens, check out our other podcast, 
the Love Thy Neighborhood podcast. And specifically, check out episode number four, where the gospel meets abortion. I am like going to work. I'm working at a crisis pregnancy center. Abortion clinics have shut down in record numbers. Um, you're watching TV, looking at magazines, just like you're in a waiting room. We want to be here for you. We want to let you know that there are great resources available. You know, maybe two or three of the women got up and left. And then I just hear come out of my mouth. Tell me what happened. Gosh, that is so unsettling. Subscribe to the Love Thy Neighborhood podcast wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. All you have to do is search for Love Thy Neighborhood or head over to our website at lovethyneighborhood.org slash LTN podcast. Welcome back to the IndieCast. I'm Jesse Eubanks. And I'm Sam Stevenson. Are you ready to be destroyed, Sam? That is a bad question. It's not true. It's time for You've Got Problems. Okay, You've Got Problems is based off a real game by Jack Dyer. You can find it on Amazon or by going to jackdyer.com. A word of warning, though, if you play it, you will want to go through and censor some of the cards before you play it in mixed company. You have been warned. Okay, uh, Tara, here's how you play. For each round, Sam and I are going to each present you with two perk cards. Uh, These have wonderful, useful, just plain awesome things on them. You're going to choose which perks you would like to have in real life. However... Before you choose, Sam and I are going to sabotage each other's perks with a problem. So whichever perks you choose will also have a problem that come with them. After we sabotage, uh, you will then get to choose which set of perks and the problem that you would go for in real life. Whoever sets of perks you choose gets a point. We'll do three rounds. Best out of three wins. Ladies, are you ready? I'm already ready. Ready as I'm ever going to (laughs) be. Okay. Uh, So, Sam? All right, Tara, I have a perfect life for you. So now you are immune to all diseases, and everything you eat will taste like the best thing you've ever eaten. Mm, Okay. So health and wellness, you're welcome. (laughs) Okay. I am offering you these. You can completely relax anywhere, and... You will always be perfectly healthy. Dang it. <laughs> so. Okay, sure, Jesse's offering you a semi-life of health and happiness and relaxation. But every human you meet will literally only talk about themselves and will not hear anything you say about any other subject. That's awful. Mm. Will only talk about themselves and cannot Especially hear anything for an else. extrovert. Um, okay, well... Sam is offering that you would be immune to all diseases and everything you eat will taste like the best thing you've ever eaten, but you have a problem. And the problem is that you have to tell everyone you make eye contact with that they are ugly. Oh, my word. Um, These are really hard. <laughs> just imagine you, you, right now, if you look, look me in the eye, Terry, you have to tell me that I'm ugly. See? Look, right then. You would have had to have told me, told me that I was ugly. <laughs> okay, imagine no one ever talking about anything but themselves again. Like, ever. You could just bird box the rest of your life, I guess. I just actually like, haven't seen it yet, <laughs> uh, so I can only go just, by the memes, what yeah, I know just, there. Just blindfold um, yourself. This one is twice uh, as bad because you they can't even hear you if you would ever change the subject, which I feel like is a one's worst nightmare, <laughs> honestly. So... Uh, Oh, gosh. I actually really have to answer this. You really yeah, do. Yeah, you got to pick one. <sighs> I really don't like the one about um, 
everybody telling me all their stuff and me never getting like they don't listen to me kind of deal because I am Mm -hmm. an extrovert. So that would be like pure torture. But I don't think I could actually tell everybody I met that they were ugly. Even you're too kind. <laughs> you're too kind. <laughs> and your it. kindness just got me a point. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's okay. You're forgiven. I prayed off her kindness. <laughs> well, I'm giving her grace, so we're the same. That is not how that works. <laughs> okay, round two. Uh, in this new life, every public bathroom you use is immaculately clean. So you're welcome. And you get two tries at everything. So buy inner critic. Oh, wow. You know, you can just have a do-over. Oh, that's those are pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But not as good as these. Uh, so perk number one, you control the world's volume. Of what? People? Of sound? Period. You can turn the world's I'm volume up sound. and down. That's what's coming to my head of sound. But listen, let's just not forget, you have five children. <laughs> five children. And a puppy. And a puppy. You could turn <laughs> that junk down. Okay. Perk number two, you are always a comfortable temperature. Oh. That sounds Okay body temperatures and sound, but you uncontrollably will slap all authority figures. <laughs> so good luck having a job. I know you're like self-employed, but like any like church, anybody like at the grocery that's in charge, any manager, Jesse right now, like you'll just slap them. So. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's so good. I'm going in for the kill here. Okay, uh, so yes, you get two tries at everything, and yes, every public bathroom you use is immaculately clean, but every hour, on the hour, a random freckle on your body fires a deadly laser. (laughs) (laughs) I have a lot of freckles on my body. (laughs) What the heck kind of problem is that? That's so specific and so strange. It is a a medical condition, Sam. Oh, that's uh, yeah, that's interesting. It sounds like a medical condition I would not want to treat. Um, well, I wouldn't want to be the physician treating that medical condition. Yeah, because it could be uh, you next. <laughs> okay, so I think on this one, I wonder if they would still fire if I covered them. If it would still work the same. If it's way. deadly, it's. it's I love the know, idea too, yeah. though, that you're like in the next room and you hear, and then you're like, you're like three <laughs> o'clock already. <laughs> oh my Time gosh. to go home. <laughs> Two tries at everything. And a clean bathroom. And a clean public bathroom. Not even. Yeah, clean public bathroom. And that would probably include That alone your, is like a miracle. And like, right, that would yeah. even include your bathroom. That's the least nice. believable thing that has been discussed in this game. <laughs> just... uh, okay, I think this time, I think I'm going with Sam here. I think I'm going to deal with the whole freckle issue. And maybe if I, I do health you and know wellness, the dermatologist. maybe I can figure out a way around She'll figure it. figure it out. Honestly, yeah, I, I, I can get around it somehow. Dude, I love the idea of Tara walking around <laughs> smacking everybody. I just can't even picture it in my head. Like, it's not even... Who's the senior authority in this room? Get over here. <laughs> okay, is this the last round? Okay. So, uh, Tara, I'm offering you these two amazing perks. Number one, you win every argument forever. <laughs> Number two... Nobody on earth will ever go hungry again. Mm. Well, that sounds pretty compelling. But the life that I have for you is that you are never stuck in traffic and you end racism. Oh. So you're welcome. Okay. World. <laughs> Systemic injustice? Not yeah, anymore. Y'all both threw the justice ones in there. Okay. So while it, while it is true that uh, Sam's offering that you are never stuck in traffic and that you end racism, there is one problem. And the problem is that you have become a disembodied head. <laughs> 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 what the heck? 
Now just for that one, I'm gonna... As problems go, that's a pretty bad problem. Whatever. Okay, sure. In this life, Jesse's offering you winning all your arguments and ending world hunger. But in this world, the moon also explodes. Oh, so sorry about that. <laughs> so like that's either way, really I die, mess, right? That's gonna really mess with our oceans. <laughs> mess I'm with just... our oceans. Mess with our circadian rhythms. I don't know what else the moon controls, but probably a lot. Probably, so yeah, probably enough. See, I, I really like to keep my body intact. <laughs> um, I mean, either way, it, it's like a lose-lose because it sounds like either way, we're, I'm probably going to die. I'm offering you, ju- <laughs> you're just a disembodied head. So you're still alive. I'm still a somehow. living disembodied head. Science. Um, yes. I, I, they both sound very compelling. But, I mean, I, I do teach yoga. Like, I kind of need my body to be able to do, do all those things as well. So I feel bad. I feel bad <laughs> saying, saying that I, I probably feel like I go with Jesse again. Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> Goodbye, Moon. <laughs> goodbye, Moon. That's, that's that, like the that morbid sequel to Goodbye, <laughs> yeah. Moon. Uh, 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 yeah. Goodbye, Moon. Goodbye, Moon. Yeah. Goodbye. I just like that you feel Good. guilty for not picking me. That means that you want to I pick totally me. do. <laughs> so I take that as its own victory. All right. So, uh, so I won this one, Sam. Whatever. <laughs> I feel I, like I'm actually doing okay. Like, you know, I've been uh, most of the time you destroy me. Yeah. I'm feeling pretty good. Then you're welcome. Honestly, it's the least I can do. The last one, (laughs) go out with the victory. Okay, I will. (laughs) Okay, so so this season, we're going to end each episode by asking our guests questions from our listeners. So this question comes from Talija underscore Amani. I'm a one. I was wondering if most ones are typically justice oriented like I am. Yes, that is one of the main defining characteristics of a one. But with that said, not all ones will feel justice oriented in the same ways. So, for example, one one may have a strong focus on a topic such as abortion and adoption, while another one may focus on assuring that local farmers have the right to grow and source organic non-GMO vegetables, you know, without pesticides. So even though there, you know, they may be different types of justice orientation, I do believe that ones generally have a very strong justice oriented personality. Yeah. And I think the reason for what you're describing where not everybody's oriented around the same stuff is because we're not God. We cannot dedicate equal amounts of energy to every justice issue of the world. Mm. So you have particular areas that you're you're zeroed in on and really paying attention to while there are other areas that you're you can't. You're just not capable of caring about everything equally. Yeah. Okay. Next question comes from LT 1391. I'm a one, but I am not punctual. I'm usually always late. I was told ones are always punctual. What's up with that? Well, I have two immediate thoughts. My first thought is I would wonder if you are a one with a nine wing, because that's going to look a lot different from a one with a two wing. So just that, you know, less of a need to do something strict and by the rules, but more of a relaxed nature in that sense. And then secondly, I'd say just to let you know, all ones don't have the same internal measure of standards. So while many ones may feel that it is right to be on time, not all of them will. So your standard of perfection may show itself more in other areas of life while time might not be that high of an importance to you. That's good. Yeah, baller. That's great. <laughs> That's good. Okay, this question comes from the modern Monica. For type ones, how do you balance your desires to help others better themselves while not coming across as critical? Well, the question right here is the main way that I know that I've grown and matured over the years. In college, someone once nicknamed me abrasive. 
I, I couldn't Like, that was your it. actual, like, nickname? This guy called, it, it was somebody in the Bible study group that I was part of, and he called me abrasive every time he saw me. Wow, that's harsh. That's a, also a bad nickname. Uh, right? <laughs> I know, exactly. And I was like, what? Like, I just tell it like it is. Like, what's wrong with that? And so, you know, with this, it, it, again, I say this a lot, but it is a process, as with anything. But one thing for ones to realize is that a person is not going to change. Unless they both want to change and they're ready to change themselves. You cannot talk someone into changing. You may be able to provide some great arguments, but ultimately they have to want it. So for me, when somebody shares something about a problem they're having or, you know, a situation they're going through, I've learned first to listen. And I mean, like, legitimately listen, which doesn't mean figuring out what you're going to say when they stop talking. Secondly, specifically asking them, would you like my opinion? Do you want my advice? Or would you prefer that I just listen and, you know, pray for you about this situation? Because some people, I have some friends that are like, Tara, you know, every time I ask you a question, I want your advice. And that's okay because I know that with those mm-hmm. people. Yeah. Yeah. But I cannot assume everybody wants my advice or everybody wants my solutions. And so, and then, you know, even when we do offer instruction or correction or advice, try your best to offer it with grace, which we keep talking about, and, and to point out, Anything good and positive that you see in that person. You know, it's very easy for ones to fixate on the problem or the thing that needs fixing. But, you know, if if we do it to the extent that we can't even offer that person something positive to be able to tell them, you know, like you're really doing X, Y, Z well. Like, have you noticed all these things that you've been doing on this path of growth, you know, that you're achieving? Be able to put wed the two of those together in a way that they can see what they are doing right in the midst of what you're going to, you know, Lord willing, gently encourage them and help them towards a solution. Well, this has been fun. <laughs> it has been. Yeah. Great. Thanks for coming and doing this with <laughs> Thank us. Well, thank you to our guest today, Tara Santos. If you're a woman who is struggling with your energy level, chronic health conditions, or you just want to feel better, visit wellnesswithtara.com. When it comes to these things, it can be confusing to really know where to begin. So when we start to feel overwhelmed, it's easy to give up on our health before we've even really started and given ourselves a chance. So let Tara help you. So visit her website, wellnesswithtara.com. That's T-E-R-R-A. Or search Wellness with Tara on Instagram and Facebook. Also, thank you to Crosspoint Ministry, who trained all three of us, actually, in the Enneagram. To learn more about Crosspoint or to attend one of their amazing retreats, visit crosspointministry.com. As always, our show is a production of Love Thy Neighborhood. Love Thy Neighborhood provides social action internships supported by Christian community for young adults ages 18 to 30. Serve with us for a summer or a year. Come and grow in your faith and life skills. Learn more at lovethyneighborhood.org. If you're trying to figure out what to do after you graduate from college or you're thinking about what to do with the next year of your life, come hang out with us. Come hang out with us. We'd love to spend a year of life journeying with you. Well, today's episode was produced by myself, Sam Stevenson, and Rachel Zabo. Engineering and editing by The Rachel Zabo. Music for today's episode comes from Murphy DX. I'm Sam Stevenson. And I'm Jesse Eubanks. Remember, the eye can see everything but itself. Find people to journey with you because you were created for community. Community.